0: Hi there, this is the Rev. Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. Once, several years ago now, the church I was serving at the time provided what we called a ministry of space to the gifted and talented program of our local high school. Though we at the church were not directly involved, it was an interesting experience for us. Over the course of a couple of semesters, we played host to art classes, a writer's workshop, and even rehearsals for a jazz saxophone group. To say the least, the air around us was alive with a spark and crackle of young energy and creativity, and I have to say, I really enjoyed it. Actually though, I think that the fact that these students were meeting in a church had an effect on them as well. For instance, one day after a writing class, I noticed some sentences that had been written on the chalkboard by students as starting points for their essays. Apparently the theme was religion, but rather than the usual collection of scriptural references or assorted statements of faith which would have been the norm for us, what was written here were hard questions of the nature of belief in the tradition of the church. And there was one such question written down that I've never, ever forgotten. What can you say, it said, about a religion that has as its central symbol an instrument of execution? Was it, as I initially suspected, a mixture of teenage bravado and rebellion? (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. But it was also clear that this young writer was struggling to find some meaning in a symbol he or she saw every day, saw all around the church where they were studying, but couldn't understand. And in a world that so often reduces the emblem of the cross to a work of art or a beautiful piece of jewelry, I suspect that this young person was not alone in asking the question. In truth, what the cross represents is not at all beautiful. It is, in fact, an object of terror, torture, and death, almost certainly the worst possible means of execution during biblical times. Historians and biblical scholars, to say nothing of modern-day medical experts who understand the human physiology of such things, they stress that the pain of crucifixion was intense, the suffering constant and increasing, the thirst unbearable and the humiliation of it unspeakable. It was truly a horrible and excruciating way to die. That word that in fact comes from the Latin translation of from the cross. And yet the very instrument of that agony, which hangs at the front of nearly every Christian chapel and sanctuary, is what Paul spoke of when he wrote to the Galatians, May I never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. To anyone looking at the cross from a distance, it must indeed seem an unlikely symbol of a religion professing to be all about the business of love and peace and justice. But then, drawing closer to this cross of Jesus Christ, as we do during these waning days of Lent, we begin to see in the words of the old song, its wondrous attraction. Understand that it is not the appearance of the cross or even the event of the crucifixion itself in it is in which we glory as Christians. Rather, it is what was accomplished by Jesus' death on that cross, our redemption, our salvation paid for in full by his blood. It is about the glorious Easter resurrection that follows the horror of of that Good Friday afternoon. It's the victory of life, life abundant and eternal over death, revealed to us early on a resurrection morning when the women arrived at the tomb to find the stone had been rolled away and that tomb was empty. And it's a gift, a gift given to you and me and to the world by the grace and the divine intent of God Almighty. Well, as I'm speaking these words to you today, our yearly observance of Holy Week is about to begin. And as Christians and congregations, will be coming together in any number of different settings for worship and prayer to remember that Holy Week. And although in this year of pandemic, we'll mostly be gathering remotely, nonetheless, individually and collectively, we'll be drawing ever nearer to the cross of Jesus Christ with everything that we do all the traditions of this time, from Palm Sunday Hosanna shouting, feeling the encroaching darkness of Tenebrae on Monday, Thursday after we've shared a feast at the Lord's table, facing something of the stark reality of death on Good Friday. All of this is not merely to recall the sacrifice made on our behalf, although it is that, but also perchance to somehow begin to wrap our hearts around the sheer enormity of it. It is truly the worshipful experience of taking up our own crosses to follow Jesus where he goes on our behalf. And friends, that's important. As we make that journey with Jesus, however, let me say that it's equally important that we remember that neither his story nor our story reaches its end with Christ's Passion on Friday, but rather reaches its climax with his resurrection on Easter day. Ultimately, we are being drawn near to his cross for even in its shadow, we are made newly aware of the brilliance of divine light that has come into the world and that shines into our hearts. It is as we so often sing in this old hymn, in the cross of Christ I glory, Powering o'er the wrecks of time, all the light of sacred story gathers round its head sublime. May our journey to the cross on this particular Holy Week and always serve to fill us with that sacred light that brings us life as new and as fresh as springtime. And that's it for this episode of Love to Tell the Story. I'm Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening today. And until next time, stay safe, be well, and may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.